If you will, open up your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew, the 15th chapter. And we're going to begin right here in this first verse. And, uh, you know, I didn't uh, exactly come up with a greatest title ever because, you know, there's so many aspects to what I'm going to talk about today. But, you know, it could be party pooper or party poopers. You know, it could be let's get the party started. And, um, you know, uh, but I guess you can title your own about halfway through the message. And, and uh, you know, because you know, isn't it true sometimes even though there is a title, uh, you're an individual, God deals with you about something completely different than he dealt with other people. You know, like you talk about the service. And, you know, I've heard people describe the service and I'm like, what are they talking about? You know, and then they'll tell somebody and they'll, or somebody will tell somebody else and, and I'll think, oh, God dealt with them about that. You know, because it's a living time where God will deal with us. So Matthew 15, verse 1, we're going to get started here. And uh, it said, Then the scribes and Pharisees, who were religious people back in the day, who were from Jerusalem, came to Jesus saying. So they came to Jesus. They started talking to him. They, they were uh, of different religious organizations, you know, so to speak. You could say they were a different denomination. Meaning, they all, including Jesus, believed in the Scripture. But notice it says, they came to him and they, they questioned Jesus. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Uh, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. You know, in other words, when they go to, to eat, we've observed that they don't wash their hands. This is a scripture that all children should learn. Right here. Why, why must I wash my hands? Look what Jesus said. You know, when I was little... Uh, I was on vacation with my grandparents, and uh, they they would require, you know, they were meticulous. Did you wash your hands? I was like, maybe, maybe not. And I remembered this from the Bible, but I never quoted it. Just saying. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders... For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. You know, after Jesus finished all that we're about to read, and I don't think we'll get into this, he said, it's not about the outward, it's about the inward. And you really have to be honest about the inward. Because people can be dishonest. People can. We live in a society where dishonesty is okay if you can get away with it to a degree. I don't know why we got this here. But, you, you know, you can get away with it. And you can get, if you get away with it, it's okay. And people will lie to your face. You with me? And uh, the other day at prayer, I talked about a verse in, in Jeremiah where it talks about a time when people's face would no longer turn red with shame for doing wrong. Because remember, you know, years back or when you were younger, you know, you, you say something to somebody and it kind of uh, 
was not appropriate or they did something wrong, they got caught, their, their face would flush and turn red. Isn't it interesting? People can boldface lie today. And, and, you know, at least back then, you could just look at people and go, they're lying. Now they have experts. You know, they have people who are experts that read if people are lying and they can really spot one because, you know, certain things, that you're, you start blinking more. Uh, when you start lying under pressure because your eyes actually start drying out and so there's extra blinks, you should go watch some of the news again. <laughs> Serious, there's body language people that teach this stuff. And there are certain things they'll say, they're flat lying right now. And I've watched some politicians where they reviewed different ones. They said, they're lying about this. I went, whoa. Because all of a sudden, these things that they described started happening. Everybody okay? Now everybody wants to do reruns this afternoon of videos. And, um, but these guys had these traditions that were contrary or that they thought were appropriate. So they're like, Jesus, why, why don't you know, your disciples do this? Why don't they do this? Jesus just has a way of uh, getting with it, so to speak, the program. Everybody okay? And uh, he turned the tables on them and he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? In other words, he said, There are religious ideas you have gotten in your own life, and you've reshaped the word to fit you and what you feel is right about it, and you've reshaped it. In other words, you just don't take it at face value because that's what they were doing. They had taken truths and started reshaping them because instead of their own lives being challenged and them uh, adjusting to the word of God, they started adjusting the Word of God to their own circumstances. And so this way they made these traditions and these new ideas to kind of internally interpret the Word their own way so they didn't have to do it the way the Lord wanted them to do it. Everybody okay? Okay. And we're going to see this. And it's interesting because one thing about Jesus, he'll deal with you individually and personally about things. And so he said to these religious people, you know, because he still deals with people. Isn't it wonderful? Yes. I mean, that we serve a living God. And he, he answered and said to them, why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? And their tradition was they had reasoned out why they didn't have to do certain scriptures the way that they were written. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses uh, father or mother, let him be put to death. Now these guys are not only the religious leaders, they're the religious enforcers. Right? Remember this, that Jesus, Jesus is the one 
who got put to death by these guys because of religious ideas. You with me? What happened? They said, oh, he, he you know, said he's going to do this and he's going to do this with the temple and he's going to destroy it and all these things. They started twisting the word to kill Jesus. This is something that they had not changed. And back here they're confronted. But look at this. Honor your father and mother. He who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. Verse 5. But you say, this is their interpretation of the scripture or their adjustment so they didn't have to honor their father and mother. It says, but you say, whoever says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me, it is a gift to God. Basically, what they had said was, you know, we're not going to help you out when you need help. Um, we, you know, we give to God already, and we give to Him, and therefore we don't need to give to you. Look at other translations. And, and that's how it, how it reads, you know, well, we give to God. We've given it to God, so therefore we're not going to give it to you. And it says this, Then he need not honor, and this is what they said, Therefore, then he need not honor his father and mother. In other words, we already did it. We've already, you know, done this work and given to the temple. Therefore, we don't have to technically do these things to our parents you know, we're, we're free. Now remember this. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 and back in the Old Testament, it's, one of the, it's the first commandment, it says, with promise. Instead of saying promise, because we talk about promises, say the first commandment that will get you results. Now, keep that in your mind. It's a commandment that will produce results. Your life will be well. It will be good. But when you don't honor your father and mother, your life it will affect your own life. You with me? It's a spiritual law, whether we like it or not. So they were trying to rewrite this to get themselves out of doing it, but it's a commandment that produces results, whether we like it or not. Right? Sowing and reaping produces, produces results, whether we like it or not. If I keep planting uh, corn kernels, I'm going to keep getting corn. I know that was a corny illustration, but you get the point. Right? If we, whatever we plant, we get. And he's saying, you need to plant this to get the results. And they were making up traditions, reasons. And it said they were, they were transgressing. I mean, look at how that reads. He said, why do you transgress the commandment of God? And then it says, thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Well, what does it mean he made it no effect? In other words, you will not reap the produce of 
that. It's the first commandment with promise. And if you don't follow this, you won't reap the reward of it. And they had come up with their own seemingly good uh, way to not do it. Isn't that interesting that somebody religious would do such a thing? And it is the premise by which Jesus died under by these, these religious guys. Then Jesus, being the encourager he is and being the merciful Savior he is and how he just will hug everybody and everything, he said to them, you guys are just deep down you're really good. Right? Isn't that what he said? No, he said hypocrite. You know how people say this? You know, just hypocrites go to church. Or, I don't want to go to church because I don't want to be a hypocrite. They go to church and don't go to church. They can be religious or non-religious. So might as well just come. Now, we don't want to stay a hypocrite. He said, hypocrite? Well, did Isaiah prophesy. In other words, there was a spiritual word spoken forth by God through a prophet that described their, their actions and what was happening in their life. Now, think of this. You made the commandment of God of no effect. In other words, it no longer produced results. The word did not produce results anymore in their life. And the promise there was a well life, a long life, and different things like that. But notice this. Isaiah prophesied about this, and he said, These people draw near me with their mouth. So these people are singing songs during praise and worship time. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about these people. Or other people. He said with their mouth, and they, with their mouth they're doing it, and, and they honor me with their lips, so if you were there, you could hear him say, I love you, Lord. I worship you. And he said, but there was a prophet who spoke and said, these people come to me with their mouth and they come to me with their words of worship. And uh, he said, but their heart is far from me. Why was their heart far from him they were singing to? Because, see, they had known a truth they were supposed to act on, and they reasoned why they didn't have to do it, and they came up with a good religious idea why it was okay not to do it. Now, I know nobody in here would do such a thing, but there are people that would do such a thing. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Notice this, verse 9, and in vain they worship me. Well, what does that mean? They do sing the songs, but literally vain means producing no results. Producing no results. 
producing no results. Well, then this tells me something about these scriptures or uh, about Jesus. And Jesus had an underlying motive here. He wasn't trying to come down hard and heavy like wham on these guys. He was basically saying, your religious ideas are not bringing results. You're not living free. You're not living in victory. The promises are not being produced in your life because you're talking yourself out of acting on the Word and you're teaching other people these commandments and now they're transgressing along with you and now people are not acting and your worship, even though you're still going through the songs, you know, is vain. It's useless. In other words, he's basically saying, this, this is a results-oriented God. He wanted results. He wanted them to live long. He wanted them to uh, be fruitful. He wanted them to have a good life. And so he said, do this, and then it's the first commandment, and we promise you you're going to do this. And Jesus wanted them to have results. He wasn't just trying to come down hard on them. He was basically saying, if you change this, you won't be worshiping in vain or serving God in vain, even though you're singing and doing all these things. You will start getting results in your life something will start happening. Jesus doesn't want His Word to not have results. And notice who was the one who was hindering it. It wasn't Jesus. They didn't say what the church says today. Maybe the Lord wants this, and maybe He doesn't want this for your life. You never know what the Lord's going to do. We do know what the Lord's going to do, what He commanded. And He would talk on terms like this instead of saying, we don't know why and we aren't sure what's going on. He would say, listen, if you would stop doing this, or if you would only believe, this would happen. So they had adopted a tradition by tweaking the Word of God where they weren't acting on the Word anymore. And so they would sing still and draw near to God with their words. But he, Jesus said, their heart is far from me. Why was their heart far from Him? Because they weren't embracing the truth as they ought to and the things they knew from the Lord as they ought to. They weren't, they weren't embracing it. And what do you mean by embracing? Well, the Bible said to receive the engrafted word with meekness, which is able to save your soul or change the way you think. So in other words, when the word is preached, you're to receive it. You know, you ever play baseball with some people and they never seem to catch the ball? I remember when I was in Bible school, you know, when I would play league baseball and then then you know you get a year or two older and you play so league softball and um and so we had softball leagues at the at the 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 bible school and they had lots of teams and so you know they do their little tryout thing and they observe whoever and then they pick you on teams you know so teams are more even that way and i remember there was this guy out there and you're watching people, and you realize people need fundamentals in all areas of life to succeed. 
and I'm thinking, you know, I'm watching these guys, they used to call it in baseball, shagging balls, you know, they go out there and catch them and stuff, and, and I'm like, uh, you know, you watch people bat, and you go, uh, keep your elbow up, don't go off your, don't lift your back leg, you're going to lose power that way, step into it, turn your wrist like this, keep your head in, don't, don't pull it, you know, and you're watching people because you get, when you play, you get grounded in this stuff. So I'm out there watching people catching fly balls, and I'm thinking the balls hit, and here, here it comes, and I'm like, they need to get their glove up. You need to get your glove up. You need to watch through your glove on the edge of your glove. You want that thing right in your line of sight when you've got a fly ball coming. Because, uh, you, know, you know, you want to be effective, not ineffective. And I remember this guy didn't put the glove up, didn't do what he was supposed to do because he, he wasn't acting according. I remember, and then he decided to put the glove up like this at the last minute. Like, he didn't know what to do. He'd never played, and the ball hit him right in the face. I went, ow. That didn't have to happen. I mean, you don't have to be able to catch good to keep the glove in front of your face and watch the ball come. I thought, oh, that's got to hurt. And just... <laughs> blood. And... uh he, he wasn't effective. I'm like, somebody should have taught him the basics. He could have acted on the basics. The basics would have brought him results. He didn't know or whatever, and all of a sudden it was ineffective. That glove could have saved him going to the hospital. Yeah, he went. And he said, you guys have reshaped some ideas here, and you're not getting results. We should look at our lives and go, results are important. And, uh, and when the Lord deals with us, this is important. And if somebody said, hey, do this, do this, and you're playing baseball, it's for a reason. They want you to be successful. You know, they would tell you, get the glove down like this, do this, Know if the ball's hopping, there's a good chance, you know, if it goes from grass to turf, it'll, it'll come alive and it'll come up in you and you need the glove in the right place. Well, if you don't know that, hi-ya. Well, these guys had been teaching people wrong and they were, they were reinterpreting how to do it. I got it. I know how to do this. And he said, this is affecting your worship and you're not getting results. And God wanted them to have results because Jesus came to express God to the people and they were not getting results. Could you imagine? These religious people kept coming to Jesus. You know, isn't it, isn't it interesting that these same religious people were upset with Jesus because he got results? You, you guys knew that, right? They, they got upset. They said, why does he heal on the Sabbath? He shouldn't be doing this. Well, God was doing it through him. And they were upset because of the presence of God, the power of God, and that people liked what was going on. They got jealous. You know what's wild? Jesus was teaching them how to get results. 
You would think if somebody was coming against somebody, you know, in, in the way we live in this world, uh, if somebody's coming against them, you wouldn't, people don't always look to favorably help them. These people are coming against Jesus, and then he looks to them to favorably help them. Isn't that true? They would come, get in his meetings, see a miracle, see how, and plot how to kill him. Or they would come and wait for one if he did it on the Sabbath so they could get him in trouble. Because he transgressed. And he said, hey guys, let me tell you, there is a way to get results in your life. Uh, just don't reinvent the scriptures. Just act on the truth as you know it and as, as we see it. And it will start producing. And here he said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Notice in vain... They worship me, or literally means producing no results. God wanted them to have results. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Isn't it interesting that they had reinvented the scriptures to their own liking, tweaked them a little bit, they re-preached it, and what happened was then it made it ineffective for all the people. You know, the children of Israel were an interesting bunch. They had uh, promises and that if they would keep certain things, wonderful things would happen through their life. But by the time Jesus showed up on the scene, these things were not happening. And so Jesus would say things like, you know, when he'd see somebody who is crippled or bent over, and these people had these promises from God that should have been producing results, he said, um, shouldn't this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who has been affected ill by this problem, infirmity, sickness, be set free, uh, uh, you know, on this day? In other words, it's her right And they didn't like that. But isn't it cool that Jesus would still give them direction how to start producing results in their life? I don't know about you, I think that's kind of, wow. And he knew he was going to be put to death. He knew the scriptures. So the very ones he was being nice to were people who were going to turn on him. But he said, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Notice, and in vain or without results you worship me. In other words, you would say it like this, Jesus wanted results when you serve him. And then he tells you the problem here for getting results is you're following wrong ideas that have been tweaked by men. They tweak the scriptures and now they're not producing. How often do we hear different traditions? Like, you know, well, you got to dress a certain way. You've got to do certain things like this. You have to sing songs slow. you got to sing them fast. you got to do this. And uh, if you don't do that, God's not going to work. 
And then there's all kinds of traditions that have been plugged in that we work to fix and work to fix, and they are not things you need to fix. There's some people who say, God can't move unless you dress a certain way. Now, we may want certain people to dress a certain way, but that for sure is not what is going to hinder God, how you dress. Now, He may deal with you about it, and then you need to obey and not make up a reason why you shouldn't. But we know dress does not always hinder. Right? Remember Jesus going in a ship, storm comes, ship's about to sink, he's on his way to this land, and uh, he rebukes the storm, they get to land, they meet a madman, a man that's demonized. Now obviously God could not help him. You know why? He was naked. And if how you dress is important, then obviously God cannot help this man who's naked, who, who, can't, who doesn't keep clothes on and cuts himself with stones and with sharp objects and he's bleeding and the guy is just out of his mind and they would try to chain him and, and he could break the chains by the power of Satan. Well, obviously God couldn't help him because you know, how you dress is so important that God just can't move unless you dress a certain way. So obviously, Jesus had to get in the boat and say, we need to get out of here. I cannot help this man. He's naked. He's not dressed right. Now, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying, you with me? That that dress is not always important in the aspect of God moving. But we should dress a certain way, on the other hand, because it does present something. Everybody okay? But it doesn't necessarily mean it stops God from doing something. And how many traditions do people have that, that are not God's thing? And notice he said, because of misrepresentation of truth, it affected their heart. I said it affected their heart. Remember Luke 6.35, Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. In other words, what's produced in your life is the result of where your heart is. Not the truth you know. These guys could quote scriptures all day long. Turn to Romans. This is one of uh, our famous scriptures, you know, that that we know. But Romans, the 10th chapter, and there is an interesting thought here. God wanting results in people's lives. And so out of the evil treasure of a man or out of the good treasure of a man, you know, we have responsibilities individually about the treasure we get into our heart. Right? James, who was a pastor, told his church in the Bible, he said, said, purify your hearts, you double-minded, or you're entertaining the wrong thing. It's affecting your heart. Isn't that what those religious people were doing? They had reasoned out the Scripture 
tweaked it for their own benefit. They're no longer preaching the truth. And so everybody who's taking it wrong is not getting results. And he's wanting them to have results. And those results come out of our heart. And so how we look at things, so we just sometimes need to be straightforward. If the Lord says it, he, he knows what he's dealing with. Because, you know, sometimes I say, well, you know, if, when, when everything works out better, I'll go ahead and do that, Lord. Because I need to make a tweak here and a tweak there. How many people have done that? Now, I'm not asking for a show of hands here. But at least the people watching could raise their hand. Then we wouldn't know. But notice Romans 10, 9. It says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Notice it doesn't say that. Notice those people were saying the right things with their mouth. Their heart was not correct, though. Notice this, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you're going to get results. You're going to get saved. Literally means delivered, healed, protected, made whole, and the list goes on if you look it up in the Greek. So notice those people were saying the right things, but their heart, they weren't believing correctly in their heart, so it was cutting them off. And so Jesus basically said, listen guys, I want you to have good results. There are promises for you, and he would bring results to people. They didn't like that. But he was inviting them to come up to a new way of living. Isn't that cool? I don't believe that the Lord uh, just would condemn us and not, or condemn people and not want them to come up to a higher way of living. He always gives away. He will always direct us to help us. So he said that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. What does it mean to believe in your heart? To really believe it. Your core. Just really believe it. You know, don't just say it and say, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. But I mean, just really believe it. Well, how are you going to really believe it? You're just going to have to hear it for what it is, take it for what it is, and really believe it. And he said, then say it with your mouth and you get results. Notice the same equation here is back there in Matthew. How did people that followed Jesus get results later on? In Acts 14, 1 through 3, uh, Paul, who is a minister in Barnabas, they went down and they would preach. And when they preached the proper truth, it said God worked and confirmed that truth. Notice nothing happened to these guys as they were following traditions. Ideas that they had interpreted themselves. But the minute Jesus told his disciples, you go preach this, you go do this, and when they would do it and stayed in line, God started working. Because why? God is in the business of confirming his word to you and to me and to anybody. And if we'll believe it with our heart and begin to proclaim it to others, and proclaim it just verbally, we give God an opportunity to work in our lives. But if I don't, and I go, well, there's a reason why I shouldn't, 
we miss opportunities. Or reason why I shouldn't act on that, then we miss opportunities. You know, in the day and age we live, there are a lot of excuses why we can't serve God out there. I'm not saying you guys. And what happens is, it short circuits what God would like to do in their life. You don't think God wouldn't want to help a bunch of people right now? In the earth? We, we should approach them the way Jesus did, did here. We, we shouldn't think, well, they're not like us. They're a bunch of jerks. They're stupid. What are they thinking? This is, ah, uh, because you can hear that right now, right? But Jesus basically said, we, we all need to follow the truth. You need to. I need to. And we knew he was because he was getting these results. And then he said, you guys need to do this because you're transgressing the commandment of God and it's not bringing results. So you need to knock that off. Everybody okay? He wants to help people. He wants people helped. Isn't that cool? If we're not seeing what we want to see, we just need to look and go, okay, Lord, why? Why? And you know what? He'll help you. He'll direct you. Remember the disciples when they came to Jesus? They went to cast a demon out of a guy. They couldn't get the guy free, and they said, well, how come? And you know what? He said, I'll tell you what will help you. Here's what you need, because Jesus is results-oriented. He wanted the Word to be good, because there, there is nothing like uh, God results to help people. Especially in this world that has so much pulling, you know, this is the right way, this is the right way. But man, you get in a place where God's moving, God's doing something, that should be what we're looking for. Not a smoke machine, and I'm okay with the smoke machine. Not that we're going to have one. But I'm not offended by a smoke machine, like, oh my goodness. But I do think God wants certain kinds of results. He wants people to come and be transformed by His glory. Everybody okay? And so that's important to Him. So sometimes we just got to knock out some traditions. And, and the only way that sometimes we're going to get them knocked out is just go to the Word honestly and go, teach me. Don't teach me. And look and take things at face value and act on them and how good it will be.